Praise the Lord. Father, we ask you to minister to us and minister through me, God. Ask you to speak, Lord God. Give us an ear to hear what you are saying to us today, God. I pray that I'll be a clear channel for your word. Speak clearly, Lord God. Speak simply, Lord God. Put it where we can reach it, Lord God. In the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, translate it for us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. One of our core beliefs as a believer is believing that Jesus is coming back again. Right? That's one of the core beliefs. We believe that Jesus is coming back, what? Again. Now, we have all heard it. Jesus is coming back. But my question for you today, are you really ready for Jesus' return? Are you really ready for Jesus' return? Or are you rapture ready? Amen. If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Amen. Are you are you really, really ready for Jesus' return? The late Dr. George Sweeting, who was the sixth president and chancellor of Moody Bible Institute, said more than a fourth of the Bible is predictive prophecy. Approximately one-third of it has yet to be fulfilled. Both the Old and the New Testaments are full of promises about the return of Jesus Christ. Over 1,800 references appear in the Old Testament and 17 Old Testament books, New Old Testament books, gives prominence to this thing. Of the 260 chapters in the New Testament, there are more than 300 references to the Lord's return, or one out of every 30 verses has something to say about Jesus coming back. Hmm? 23 of the 27 New Testament books refer to this great event. For every prophecy on the first coming of Christ, there are eight on, the, on Christ's second coming. Let me say that again. For every prophecy on the first coming of Christ, there are eight concerning the second coming. So the Bible speaks more about him coming back than him coming, in other words. The one thing that I have discovered about God is he will only give you a glimpse. Mm -hmm. He rarely gives us the full picture. One reason why is because we couldn't handle it. Yeah. Or another reason is we'll get beside ourselves yeah. and think more highly of ourselves because God has given us this full revelation. People now even get partials and they get full of themselves. So God in his mysterious, miraculous way only gives us a glimpse. Mm -hmm. The rest we have to take what by faith. Right. 
Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is simply believing that God can do it. Amen. Amen. One of those instances is in Genesis chapter 12. You don't have to go there. When God spoke to Abram before he became Abraham. God says in, said in Genesis chapter 12, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 12 verses 1 through 3 in the New King James, now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse them who curses you. And in all and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. But did you hear the contingency? He said, first you have to get out or be obedient, and then I will. You see what I'm saying? It was not only about what God had said, but it was about the obedience of Abram who went on to become Abraham. He would have never become Abraham unless he listened as Abram to get out of his father's house and away from his country. You'll never become what God wants you to be unless you are obedient. Amen. Now, this is a personal scripture to me because this is the very one God used some of you may have heard it when we left here to go to Bible college. You know, my father was a longtime pastor here with the largest church, in, black church in Peoria. And I was Baptist through and through. Amen. Baptist bread, Baptist led, Baptist. And I was going to be Baptist, I now still will be. Amen. Amen. That's my foundation. However, uh, Larissa and I had been married about six years or so. And we were both serving in our church. I had accepted my call into the ministry, and a few years later, and it was a few years later when a dear brother and sister of ours invited us to go to a crusade in Chicago. Uh -huh. We went to the crusade in Chicago, and it comes, to, it, it, it turned into, it was also a recruiting event for the Bible College in Chicago, for, in Columbus, Ohio. Never been to Columbus, Ohio. Baby heard of Columbus, Ohio, except for Ohio State right. University, amen, or the Ohio State, as they would say. <laughs> now, we heard, they announced about the Bible College, and so we heard the announcement, and then during the break between services, we went up to the kiosk and talked to the representatives there. One of the representatives there went on to be Ashley's teacher, amen, when your husband was a Bible College instructor. Well, anyway, God began working on us as a result of us going to talk with them. So we decided to go visit the church and the college probably about a month later. And during the service, the pastor had an altar call and said, there is someone here that is supposed to come to the Bible college. Come to the altar now. Now, this church holds 5,200 seats. So it was a lot of people there. Amen. Without hesitation, your first lady <laughs> took off on the altar <laughs> and I followed suit. <laughs> and I followed suit. So the pastor, who was Pastor Parsley, said something to the effect, you are supposed to be here 
and finances won't be the obstacle. Now this was in June. School starts in August. We had just bought a house. <laughs> we had no money to go to school. <laughs> and no way to do it except for God had said the finances would not be an obstacle. Amen. So he laid his hands on us several times, not, not just once, but several times. And then another thing I prayed for, and Luis didn't know it, is that we would meet a couple there that we could come in, uh, that we would meet and have a, build a relationship with. So little did I know that, well, I didn't know because I prayed for it, but after church was over, Larissa went to the restroom and she met that lady in the bathroom. Her name is our sister, Nasa Netra, and her husband is Paul. And we're friends and brothers and sisters to this day. And we, they began talking and then we all met and we ended up living in the same apartment complex and so forth and so on. Now, keep in mind, I told you we just bought a house. Ashley herself had just turned seven, and we were fully plugged in to the church and the ministry. In fact, I was the minister of music, so we were fully engaged, fully engulfed in the church here. But God began to work on us. For this to work, we would need money, find renters for our house, find jobs, and find somewhere to live in Columbus besides me going to Bible college. But see, once we trusted God, he opened doors. From June till August the 13th, we would have to quit our jobs here, go find a place to live, and all of the above. Get, get, and with, with absolute nothing but our faith, must receive faith. Literally. But by the time we left here, in August, on August the 13th, which was a Saturday, we had enough money to put a deposit and, think, and a couple months, well, six months worth of rent, or four months worth of rent. Had enough for me to get into college, had enough to put Ashley in private Christian school. My mother and my aunt went to a restaurant and, and found some renters by just talking to people. So we had renters for our house. And it was all because we were obedient to God getting us out of our country, away from our family, to a place that we did not know to, we didn't know anybody there. And he set us right there to grow us up spiritually. And then the same, the God that took us there brought us here. With no money, little church. But God able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or seek because of our obedience. Amen. Amen. We had trusted God with only a glimpse from his word. He told us to get out. He told us to go. But he provided. Now I'm not going to say it was easy. <laughs> and we did have some struggles, but God provided every step of the way. Now, regarding Jesus' second coming, we don't know when, but the word does give us a glimpse at how he yes, will come back. Yes. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We've got two portions of scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and then also 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Now, while you turn there, both of these epistles were written by Apostle Paul. No person apart from Jesus himself shaped 
the history of Christianity like Paul. Even before he was a believer, his actions were significant. He persecuted the believers following Stephen's death. But what happened out of that persecution after Stephen's death was he got the church to spread. Because people were leaving because they heard Paul and he was coming. So the gospel spread out of the martyrdom or the death of Stephen. Amen? Amen. His personal encounter with Jesus changed his life. But he never lost his fierce intensity, but he channeled it for the gospel. God won't always take away what you have naturally. Right. He can take what you have naturally and use it spiritually. Amen. Amen. He did that same thing with Paul. Paul actually wrote most of the New Testament, and he was never afraid to face an issue head on and deal with it. So 1 Corinthians 15, up there, chapter 50, I mean verse 50, it says this. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the what? Kingdom of God. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. Here we go. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep or die, but we shall all be changed or transformed. How? In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be what? Raised, incorruptible, and we shall what? Be changed. Now let's go to 1 Thess Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians, I'll give you a sign to get there. If you don't know where it is, look at the table of contents. That's what it's there for. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. When you got it, say, I got it. Chapter 4, chapter four verse 13. Say, so you got it? You got it? All right, verse 13 says, But I would not have you to be ignorant or misinformed, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him, with him, Jesus. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or perceive them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend or will come down from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangels, and with the trump of God, or the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Verse 17 says, Then we which are alive and remain shall be what? Caught up. Caught up how? Together. With them where? In the clouds. To meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever what? Be with the Lord. Verse 18 says, Wherefore, comfort one another with what? With these words. Now, we are not going to go into a deep theological debate about the rapture. Amen? Amen. But I want to point out that our modern understanding of, of rapture appears to have little or no connection with the eschatological. Eschatological, eschatological, you don't know what I'm trying to say. Amen. However, the word is properly used for the end event. Now, this is what the rapture is. Rapture, the word rapture, is a, is a state 
or experience of being carried away. It's a state or experience of being carried away. Now let's do some of the word. The etymology, I guess you could say. The English word comes from a Latin word, rapio, which means to seize or snatch in relation to an ecstasy of spirit or the actual removal from one place to another. In other words, it means to be carried away in spirit or in body. The rapture of the church means the carrying away of the church from earth to heaven. Church means the believer, not the building, from the earth, well, to heaven. Now the Greek word from this term rapture comes from 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, which I just read, which was caught up. Caught up. The Latin translation of this verse used the word rapturo. The Greek word translates harpazo, which means this. It means to seize, snatch away, catch up, or to take by force. So elsewhere in the Bible, it is used to describe how the spirit caught up Philip near Gaza and brought him to Caesarea in Acts chapter 8, verse 39. And to describe Paul's experience of being caught up to the third heaven in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. All right? Therefore, there can be no doubt that the word used in 1 Thessalonians 4.17 to indicate the actual removal of believers from earth to heaven. All right? Now, Dr. Tony Evans said it like this. He says, at the rapture, those of us who are still alive will join other brothers and sisters in Christ, and we will meet them in the clouds. Our bodies will not have the same limitations that they do today. Praise God for that. Yeah. Amen. Not only will our busted bodies be put back together, but you and I will be literally able to walk on cloud nine since we will have a resurrected body like his. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. We shall be caught up in the air. Meaning the Lord and those who believers that went before us and we will meet them in the air. Yes. Not with this old dilapidated body, yes. but with the resurrected body. First John 3 and 2 says this, Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, yes. we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. <laughs> Ooh, no more back aches. Leg aches. No more cancer. No more diabetes. No more this. No more that. No more dying. No more sign. No more crying. We are going to meet the Lord in the air. At the trump or at the call of God. We shall be snatched up, called up, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Verse 18 says we need to comfort each other with that. Mm. Mm. And look at verse number, chapter 5, verse 1. It says this. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, 
you have no need that I write to you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a what? Thieves in the night. A thief does not send a note in advance. <laughs> they will not send you an email or mail you a letter and say on such and such a day, I am going to break in your house at 12 o'clock midnight. Right? No, a thief comes in when you are asleep. When you are least expecting it. Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 21, verse 34 through 36, you don't have to go there. New Living Translation, it says, Watch out! Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap. For that day will come upon everyone living on the earth. Keep alert at all times and pray that you might be strong enough to escape these coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. In other words, Jesus was telling them and he is telling us that we need to keep watch. Yes. Because he is coming like a thief in the night. Yes. It won't be a big billboard saying, I'm coming, other than the descending with the shout. By then it's too late. Right. Amen. By then it's too late. And although it has been 2,000, more than 2,000 or nearly 2,000 years, he spoke these words. When he spoke these words, their truth remains. Jesus is coming back again, and we need to watch and be spiritually fit. 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 Spiritually fit to receive that call. How do you get spiritually fit? Through spiritual maturity. How do you get spiritually mature? You have to grow. You have to learn. It's on us to be spiritually mature so that we will be spiritually Amen. Amen. All right. This is why I believe God is taking us through the Kingdom Living Discipleship class because to be spiritually fit, you need to be spiritually mature. And to be spiritually mature, you need to grow spiritually. The book told us that tells us that spiritual growth is progressively learning to let Christ live his life through us. Mm -hmm. That's how you spiritually grow. Now, don't let your mind and spirit be dulled by careless living, drinking, or foolishly pursuing pleasure. Because pleasure and all those things will pass away. And just as he said, I am coming like a thief in the night. You won't be aware. You will be sleep spiritually, that is, and I'm going to sneak up on you. We are living in a day and time. The sign is here. Much more. He, even though he said he wouldn't give us, a thief wouldn't give you a letter or a note or an email, God has given us an email. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Amen. And saying, I'm, Jesus is coming back. So the question is again, Am I, you need to ask yourself, am I really ready for Jesus' return? 
Am I really ready? But he, he's coming as a thief in the night. Mm -hmm. Ask that question again. Am I really ready for him to come as a thief in the night into my life? Mm -hmm. When I'm not sitting in church? Yeah, we'll when I'm not around other believers? Mm -hmm. When I'm at home? When I'm driving down the street, when I'm in the store and somebody cuts me off, when, the, when they try to stop me when I'm trying to walk out of Walmart after they sent me through self-checkout. <laughs> I just had to throw that in there. Amen. <laughs> 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 I don't know I'm going to be that If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. And this is how you get ready. And the, and the book told us this, too. It says, Number one, you stay ready by growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Let's go to 2 Peter. First, we're going to start at chapter 1. 2 Peter, chapter 1. Now, let me dig a little bit, right? Right. Dig with me. 2 Peter, chapter 1. And then we'll go to chapter 3, verse 18. First, Second Peter chapter one says, "Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according to according as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him." that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith what? Virtue. And then, and add to your faith virtue, and then add to virtue Knowledge, and then add to knowledge temperance or self-control, and to temperance or self-control patience, and add to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. King James says, but it's actually love. For if these things be in you abounding, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the what? The knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you continue to add. Adding means you can't just receive Jesus as your Savior. That's a good first step. Right. Adding means you have to continually pursue knowledge of Jesus Christ. Or in other words, grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So you continue, you are, while you are in this body, you are supposed to be continually adding. However, the adding won't come because you made the effort to add. The adding will come because you allowed the Holy Spirit to work in you and those fruit will come. Yes. Hallelujah. There's really nothing that you do. Your thing is to be obedient and grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Chapter 3, verse 18 says, But grow in the grace which is unwhat? No. And grace is what? Uh, we also know that. Unmerited favor. Yes. 
And in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to Him be glory both now and forever. What? Amen. Amen. Now, in one of the handouts Pastor Tracy gave us in our Wednesday evening class, there's a good illustration on the call to grow. It reads this. The sea squirt is a strange creature. It's found attached to rocks and shells. It looks like a soft plastic tube waving with the current. Drawing its nutrients from the passing water, it lives a passive life far removed from its once active youth. The sea squirt starts life as a tadpole with a primitive spinal cord and brain that helps it find food and avoid harm. As a juvenile, it spends its days exploring the ocean, but something happens when it reaches adulthood. Settling on its rock, it stops exploring and growing. In the macabre or the gruesome, in, in, a, in a macabre or a gruesome twist, it digests its own brain. Hmm. Now it's spineless, thoughtless, and flowing life, it just passes with the current. Because it has no spine, it has no brain. The Apostle Peter encourages us not to follow the sea squirt's faith. Since maturity for us means taking on God's nature, you and I are called to grow, how? Grow mentally in our knowledge of Christ. Grow spiritually in traits like goodness, perseverance, and self-control, and practically by exploring new ways to love, offer hospitality, and serve others through our gifts. The gifts that God gave you, they are not your gifts to keep. The gifts that God gave you, you are to use them for, use them for the upbuilding of his kingdom. The gifts that he gave you is not when you feel like it. Because you ain't going to always feel like exercising the gifts that God gave you. However, for you to spiritually mature in those gifts, they have to be exercised. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. It goes on to say that such growth, Peter says, will, such growth will stop us from living ineffective and unproductive life. This calling to grow is as vital for the 70 year old as it is for the teenager. It's good for the young and it's good for the old, in other words. And bottom line is, you are never to get to the place where you believe that you don't need to grow. Right. Don't care how saved you believe you are, how deep you thought you are, thought you were, you never get to the place where you have, as they used to say, arrived. There's always something that you can learn about God from the Word. You can read, like we said, you can read the scripture a hundred times, and you can get a hundred or more different things out of that same scripture. If you don't, don't believe, try it, and ask the Holy Spirit to show you. Amen. God's Nature is as vast as the ocean, and we barely swarm a few feet. Right. Yes. <laughs> Amen. So we need to explore his unending character and take on new spiritual adventures. The last thing I'll say about it is the scriptures contain all the knowledge you will ever need to learn of God, 
his son and his spirit, at least in this life. The scriptures contain all the knowledge you ever, ever need to learn of God, his scripture, his son, and the spirit. Now, don't get me wrong. I am not saying don't use supplements and commentaries and concordance and watch other ministers. I'm not saying that, but all you will ever need to know about God Jesus and the Holy Spirit is found in between Genesis and Revelation. Amen. Because God wants to transform us. He wants us to spiritually grow to become more of the image of his son. So he left the book for us. So that we can grow in grace. Not that we need more grace because God gave us all the grace that we actually need. It's not like we need more grace, but we do need more knowledge. Amen. 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 So we need to grow in grace and what? Knowledge. You stay ready by accepting the uncertainty. Accepting the uncertainty. Let's go to Mark chapter 13. Accepting the uncertainty. Mark chapter 13, just two scriptures. Verse 32 and verse 33. Though you can read all of them, and that would be good for you. Mark chapter 13, verse 32 and 33. It says this, But of that day and hour knoweth what? No man. No, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take ye heed, watch and pray, for you know not when the time is. This is written in red in my Bible, which means Jesus said it, right? Now, I know I touched about the thief in the night earlier, but the disciples, like some of us, want a fixed, precise time. But Jesus is saying, that's not for you to know. Amen. There have been many who have tried to predict it, but guess what? They were all wrong. Amen. And anyone that will ever try to predict it will be what? All wrong. People have tried to use numbers. They have tried to use this. They have tried to use the sun being at one point in the sky or it seemed like it stopped and this, that, and the other thing. But guess what? They were all wrong in regards to when Jesus is coming back. The time of Jesus will not be revealed in advance to any man, woman, boy, or girl. It is only known by God the Father. It is, as the scripture says, it is not known by the angels, even though they enjoy intimacy with God and hover around his throne to do his bidding. And even though they continually cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is to come. They have no knowledge of the time of Jesus' return. The angels don't know it. <laughs> and when he spoke these words to his disciples, even he had no knowledge of the date and the time of his return. So I hear you asking, well, you're always saying that Jesus and the Father is one. Jesus and the Father is one. Well, how come Jesus can't know? Because if him and the Father are one, then he should know because they are one, right? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 8 says this. King James, let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, 
did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So although Jesus was fully God, when he became a man, he voluntarily restricted the use of certain divine attributes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Because he became a man. He didn't know <laughs> when his return would be because he became a man. So it restricted him <laughs> from knowing a lot of things unless the Father directed it to him. Mm -hmm. Now he demonstrated his omniscience or all-knowingness on several occasions, but he voluntarily restricted that omniscience to only those things God wanted him to know during the days of his humanity. Mm -hmm. So even though he was fully God, he was also fully man, and that restricted him from knowing everything at this time. Because God the Father had not revealed it to them. He only God, when God wanted something revealed through Jesus on this earth, he revealed it then because he knew we couldn't handle it. Jesus said, well, I'm coming at such and such day, at such and such year, at such and such time. Hmm? See, God is a lot smarter than we give him credit for. <laughs> because he knows what we would do with that kind of information. We would go live in a our lives and lives are up to the 12th, to the last second, millisecond. Then we try to get right with God. Now, when I was younger, that's how I used to try to live my life. I said, I'm going to wait till I get older. <laughs> you know, we got that kid, I'm going to wait till I get older. Then I'm going to get right with God, right? But there's danger in that. Because if you look nowadays, the obituary is filled with people from zero to 200. Amen. Yeah, I know I'm exaggerating the 200 part, but to 100. Mm -hmm. That's right. The Bible, I mean, the, the obituaries are filled. So bottom line is this. If Jesus was content not to know the day or the hour, then we need to be content and accept the uncertainty. Mm -hmm. So we need to accept the uncertainty. To stay ready, you need to what? Accept the uncertainty. You need to grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And then lastly, you stay ready by not losing your hope. By not losing hope. Let's go to Titus. Listen there, trust me. He back there somewhere. <laughs> he after Timothy, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, Titus. Amen. Amen. Are you really ready for Jesus? He's coming like a thief in the night. Amen. So up to this point, have you stayed ready? Are you growing in the grace and knowledge? Have you accepted the uncertainty of his coming? And if you have, keep hanging on to your hope. Don't lose it. Amen. Amen. Titus 2, verse 11. 13. Here it is again. For the what? Grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to who? All men. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, 
We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Looking for that what? Blessed hope. Say it again. Blessed Looking for that what? Blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior who? Now Paul brings out two aspects of Christian living that must be stressed today. We should live in this evil world while looking forward with hope. What is the blessed hope? It's the joyful assurance that God will extend his benefits to the believer and that Jesus will return. Amen. I'll say that again. It's the joyful assurance that God will extend his benefits to the believer and that Jesus will return. Those benefits include him being with us and never leaving us in this evil world. Amen. Amen. Both aspects of living and looking forward are essential to your sanity as a believer in this present evil age. In order to keep your sanity as a believer, you can't get caught up in the current events. Because your current, these current events will drive you insane. Because there's so much evil present in this world. And it seems that evil is winning the day. However, as a believer, you ought to keep your, your hope, the blessed hope in front of you. Amen. You know. Living is bearable because you are living for God by seeking to build his kingdom on earth with whatever gifts he had given you. And it's bearable because you're looking forward to an eternal kingdom. In other words, you know that you know that you know that you know this world is not your home. When we are going through our various situations and we seem like evil is winning, Always remember, this world is not our home. In fact, if you are alive and remain, you're going to be caught up to meet it in the air. <laughs> and God is going to leave the rest of them to themselves. Amen. So as you look, to look forward, you can anticipate three great benefits of his return. It's Jesus' personal presence. Because when you're caught up with him, He's going to be with him as well as the other saints, including some of your relatives. Hallelujah. That went home to be with the Lord. Then this is the best one. You get redemption from your sinful nature. What does that mean? Spiritual warfare will be over. There will be no more war between the flesh and the spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then there will be a restoration of creation. Just like in Genesis chapters 1 and 2 before the fall. Yes. Hallelujah. Those are benefits of Jesus. So don't lose your hope. Yeah. So are you really ready for Jesus' return? Yeah. Come now. People, come now, Lord Jesus. But are you really ready for his return? If he's snuck in here right now, are you ready to go with him right now? If he comes in as a thief in the night tonight, are you really ready to go with him? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's coming in a moment and a twinkling of an eye. 
It's going to be faster than a blink that he's going to be here. The thing is, who's going to come to church next Sunday? I won't be here, but he's uh, <laughs> one on the first floor. Amen. <laughs> Y'all can have church. Or whoever you're here can have church all you want. Amen. <laughs> I praise God. I pray that you will. Pray that we all will meet him in the air together on cloud nine with resurrected bodies. Hallelujah. From the youngest here to the eldest in here. Amen. I like seeing you here, but I would much rather spend eternity with you. Amen. First step to spending eternity with you is first of all, what? Being in a relationship with him by being saved. But then that's only the first step. Right. <laughs> that's only the first faith, part of faith. Then to add, you got to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen. Accept this uncertainty and don't lose your hope. Amen. 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 Yes, sir. So are you really ready? Yeah. <laughs> are you really ready? I know it's hard. I unimaginable. You can't even imagine eternity. But the Bible does give us glimpses. Go read Revelation. It'll tell you what heaven is going to be like. If you don't like noise, you don't want to go to heaven because it's going to be loud. Hey, There's going to be some jumping and shouting and screaming. I know I want to I plan to scream when I see Jesus. And as the song says, when I see Jesus, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you need, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. So stay ready by growing in the grace of knowledge, accepting the uncertainty, and not Losing hope. See, first step is receiving to you, so get back with it. Amen. Shall we stand?